Good morning. Uh, this is really, really exciting for me to talk about Christmas stuff because, um, you know, when I spoke during the summer series, I had to make a confession that I was a science fiction freak. So in continuing the tradition, I feel like every time I get up here, I have to confess something. So I'm going to confess now that I'm a Christmas fanatic. Clark Griswold is nothing in comparison to me. I just want to point that out. So if you rent, uh, you know, Christmas Story, just know that it's really me playing that role. At least that's my passion. That's, if I was an actor, that's what I would choose to do. Um, you know, my wife and I had the chance to go and visit family. We did an early Christmas uh, in Florida. And Christmas in Florida is kind of odd. I just don't get the Christmas light on a palm tree thing. You know, it just, it, it was difficult to enter in the season. Um, the great thing about that, though, is that there's nothing that can draw out the Christmas spirit that, that reminds me of the hope, the joy of the season, the, the comfort, the, the yuletide, the, the, the wonderful smells, than flying. And you know, airlines just make it so easy for you during the holidays. And you just feel like everybody's just so joyous trying to get their luggage up there and twisting and turning. You just, you just feel like everyone's just exuding the Christmas spirit, you know? <laughs> as the baby begins to cry and all this stuff. It just has this homely feeling being in this aluminum tube at 32,000 feet. I just, I just get all Christmas-y about it, you know? It's just great. And you know, we, it was funny because we were, we were flying with our, our little toddler, Amelia, and you know, as, as, a, as a parent, you know, you, you put her in the seat and you know, you're doing all this stuff, trying to get the car seat ready and you know, people are bumping you behind. You're like, yeah, Merry Christmas, okay, Merry Christmas. You finally sit down and you're just waiting the whole time, like cross country flight, oh my gosh, you're waiting for her to just start that, that, that pitch of scream that you know has got to hit this perfect resonance of the aluminum, you know, bulkheads and the plane will start doing this. And, it, you know, the pilot says, we're it's clear skies, but we've got some odd turbulence. I'm going, oh my gosh, that's my child. My child is causing the plane for turbulence. So we came off of that, you know, trip to Florida. And one of the things I thought of is that I didn't see a lot of the Christmas spirit. And I didn't have it myself, to be honest. I saw instead a lot of heaviness on people's hearts. You know, as we sat in our connection in Atlanta, people were glued to the TV as they were watching what was going to happen with the markets and the auto bailout. And, and people just seemed to have during just a contrasting spirit to what this season's really supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about this joy that we're supposed to have as a reminder that we go through as we enter this season about what God has done entering in to our space and our time. And I saw instead a stark contrast with people walking around the airport and they just had a heaviness about them. And I did too. I mean, if you look at my bio, it says, I'm unemployed. And I'm gonna explain that too, but you know, I've got a mortgage, I've got, I've got an 18 month daughter and I got another baby coming in the middle of March. And so here I am as a follower of Jesus, watching what's happening around and saying, Wow, I, I'm supposed to be the one spreading this joy because, you know, the real reason for the season, I, I, I think I kind of get it. So why, why is it difficult for me to sometimes have that joy? And I let the heaviness enter in. And so what I want to talk about today is I want to I talk about giving an encouragement during this season of life with all that's going on in the economy and the world and our own personal lives and what's hitting me. You know, if you, you can consider me a casualty of, of this current time. And what I've realized is that there's this journeying, crossing concept that happens at Christmas. Now, if you're a Star Trek fan, you're going to completely relate to this. 
If you're not, don't worry. I will make sense of it in a Christmas context. All right? I promise. You know, in Star Trek Next Generation, they, they, you know, every time that they, you know, the Enterprise was about to explode and the whole galaxy was about to you know, go backwards and all that, they came up with this ingenious way to modify the space-time continuum. Like, what? Space what? Continuum? Okay, what? And, and you know, they, 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 would, they would say, okay, if we just hop on the continuum, we can go forward into the future and do something cool. We can slide our way backwards and it'll work, you know, everything will work out. I'm like, that's really interesting that you can do that. So for science fiction, I see Christmas as kind of like this weird, trippy science nonfiction concept because for me, this is when God decided to enter into our own space-time continuum. When Jesus was a baby, you see, there's a lot of different words that come with Christmas that are great. There's peace, there's Noel, there's Yuletide, there's caroling, there's all these great words. But the word that hits me the most is Emmanuel, God with us. And it's really about God in the spirit coming into the flesh and dealing with time and our dimensions and having to live in the midst of humanity that has some good to it, but is gritty and could even be evil. And that he made that journey. You know, the concept of journeying and, and making this crossing is not unfamiliar to the Bible. If you read through a lot of the Old Testament, you see God plucking people out and saying, I'm going to send you on a crossing. I'm going to send you on this journey. There's going to be a, a beginning, a middle, and an end to it. In fact, with the nation of Israel, he does it. I'm going to, the whole exodus out of Egypt into the desert, and then the crossing of the River Jordan into the Promised Land. There's this construct that God has created for us that has this idea of you're going to start here and you're going to cross over. A Christmas, this is about the Christmas crossing and what happened. And there's two nondescript characters that I want to talk about, Mary and Joseph, and the, the Christmas journey that they had to go on. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about the last year and a half of my life and, and how I got to be where I'm at, you know, as an unemployed person looking, looking for work in the middle of this, this kind of an environment and what that journey was and what it did to me personally. And the last thing I want to go over is, is the story of where we can get hope from and it's the story of the disciples as they crossed over from one side of the lake to the other with Jesus in their boat. So let's talk a little bit about Mary and Joseph and, and their Christmas story. If, if you open up your handouts, there's kind of the ending portion of the nativity story. And it's Matthew's account. We're just going to read, a, just read the verse 13. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Arise. Take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And that, to me, is really about these two people that have come together and of realizing that this child that they have, that there's people out there that are ready to kill not only them, but the child. And if you go backwards to the beginning of the, of the nativity section, where they start you know, introducing the characters of Mary and Joseph, they're very undescript. We don't really know much about them. It's just, boom, they're on the scene. And in preparation for this talk, my wife and I watched the nativity story. Now, traditionally, being a movie buff, I kind of stray away from certain uh, Christian-only movies because um, th there's an element, this is me personally, that I find completely cheesy. And I like to attach, and I find it in other movies too, but I do like attach specific cheese words to those movies. So I'll, I'll, I'll listen to a line, you know, what's, what's that line where she says, you had me at hello? Okay, that's feta. That's just feta, that stinks. Feta cheese, nasty, I don't want that. Ugh. 
I'll look at other ones. That's a little cheddar over there. That's a little, you know, Monterey Jack. It's, ah. So I had my hand out again, like Nativity, you know. We, we, we had it through Netflix. We had it for like four months. I finally sent it back. Oh. <laughs> then pastor said, you probably should do something with the Nativity since it is Christmas. And I went, oh no, the movie, it's coming back. <laughs> so off to Netflix we went, we got the movie, watched it, and it was, it was actually pretty good. Check it out. It's, a, it's, it's an enjoyable movie. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about it is they gave this interesting context culturally of what was happening. And it's about these people who have these plans, Mary and Joseph, they have these plans for their life. And God is about to cut those plans and send them on a complete different journey where they have no idea what's about to happen to them. And they didn't sign up for it at all. So they have this, they have this section where after Mary meets with the angel and the angel tells her, you know, you're going to have a child. It's going to be the savior of the world. She goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who's about to bear John the Baptist. Well, when she's gone and when she comes back, it's a, it's a length of time. And there's this great scene where she's coming back and the whole village is excited. Mary's coming back. And Joseph is so excited, he runs out there as well as Mary's father. And they stand right next to each other. And then Mary gets off the cart. And as she gets off the cart, her cloak kind of opens up and you can see that she's showing. And the look on Joseph's face and the look on her father's face. And then they kind of look at each other and just disbelief. And you just get this feeling that Joseph must have felt so betrayed. Here he is trying to honor her. They're, they're engaged, if you will, betrothed. And he just is ultimately betrayed. She goes off somewhere for a little while, comes back pregnant. And he kind of looks at the dad like, what's, wait a second. I thought your daughter was a daughter of virtue. I'm trying to honor her. What how could this be? And there's all this conflict, and it's completely scandalous in their village. Total scandal. And you know, Joseph has a couple of choices that present him. You know, if you read through the Gospels, it kind of goes matter-of-factly. But if you were a reader who understand the cultural context, which they show in the movie, his decisions that he could have made at that point in time is he could have accused her of infidelity, which would have had dire consequences for her life and the unborn child's life. He could have accepted the child and her and then realized that for the rest of his life and for the child's life, the scorn of illegitimacy on that child in their small, tiny village. I'm talking small town. Now in the middle of San Francisco, I mean, I went to a school in Upland, Indiana. You blink, where, where'd the town go? That's where we're talking. Everybody knows everything. Everybody's up in everybody's business. Completely scandalous. He has nowhere to run. So if he chooses that to keep their lives, his whole idea and concept of what he was trying to build is gone. And so what he decides to do is he decides to, to basically marry her and then later on he's gonna, he's gonna divorce her quietly, knowing that he doesn't want the burden of an illegitimate child. And that's when the angel steps in and says, hey, you know, her explanation that you heard about this being this miracle child, it's legitimate. Because if I was Joseph, I would want an accounting. Hey, Mary, we got, we got something to talk about. So why don't we meet over at the well and, uh, when it's dark outside and we should probably chat. And, and you know, I'm sure he you know, met with her and said, uh, okay, so, you, you know, Lucy, some explaining to do, you know, come on. Hello. And of course he's expecting like, yeah, you know, I, I did this. And instead she says, 
okay, so I'm in the forest and this angel guy, he's kind of like transparent, you know, couldn't really see him, but he's got this weird voice and he says, I'm gonna have this miracle baby, which is gonna take away the sins of the world. You buying it? <laughs> Joseph, are you nuts? I'm not buying that. And so the angel finally meets with him and says, you know what she's saying is actually true. And from there, they have to take this journey to Bethlehem because of the census, you know, and as, as they're going, it's, it's, it's a very, they have a lot of tender moments in there. But the reality is, is that we build up our own plans and God instead sometimes sends us on our own journey because he wants us to cross over to a different section in our own lives because through that, he wants to either bring us healing or wants us to grow. And he did the same thing even for them fleeing for their lives, which I'm sure nobody signed up for. You know, I mean, imagine Mary. Do you think she signed up for it? Oh, I would love to carry God's son. That would be great. It's more like, wait, 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 I got chosen. Okay, so now I have to go back to my village. I have to explain this crazy cuckoo story, right? Then everyone's gonna just think that I'm not a virtuous woman and this is completely illegitimate and I'm gonna bear the brunt of scandal. So in the middle of God doing the most amazing thing the world has ever known, from every human perspective, it was completely and utterly scandalous and wrong, and they had to bear the brunt of everyone's opinions on them. And so they had to start this journey of God doing something different and completely changing direction in their lives, and they had to forego what people's opinions were, and they had to find a way during the journey to continually review and say, God's in this, right? You, did you get an angel? Yeah, I did. I met with one too. Okay, okay, we got angels, two angels, it's better than one. Let's go, let's do this thing. And so I love their story because there's a lot of times in our lives where we're called to go on a journey that God is asking us to cross over to the other side in some area of our lives. And we have to, we have, we're gonna wind up probably having to sacrifice something and it might be the opinion of people. And it might be sacrificing that or sacrificing what current dreams we have. And speaking of current dreams, this is where I wanna segue moment into what's happened to my life over the last year and a half. As Pastor said, I, I was able to work on some really exciting movies. I mean, not much of substance, but eating popcorn while you were watching the movie, some pretty cool stuff. And, and, I, and I wound up kind of enjoying it for a while and then saying, you know what, I'd, I'd love to have the opportunity to work on movies that really resonated with people, that had this message that really they could relate to and they kind of came out of the movie all stunned, like, there's a lot of life questions I have to answer. You know, that's what I want. You know, I want the movie to be like, boom! Think about life, there's a spiritual world out there. It's crazy cool, you should check it out. That's kind of what I would like, to have people walk out of a movie theater and experience. You know, usually like, did you see that robot? That was pretty sweet. That's usually, <laughs> usually what, I, what I get. So a group of us who, who had our faith in common said, let's, let's just test out and, and venture out and see if we can, we can start our own company and work on these kind of movies. All right, let's pray about it, let's, let's mull through it, and we were thinking about it, and then out of nowhere, so obvious that it was God doing it instead of us, we had an agent in LA who hooked us up with crazy rich investors and a director who had a project that had a faith component to it and a biblical historical backdrop, but did not have any, I was, and I was smelling for cheese. I'm like, smell it again. <laughs> Let me read the script. Yeah. Honey, does that smell like cheese? <laughs> Can you identify any cheese, you know? I, 
And it didn't really have much cheese, so I was just giddy with excitement. And this whirlwind of events, and all of a sudden, I'm sitting at a desk at our own company. Oh, look what God's done. I didn't do anything. I just kind of like got, my, you know, it's like God picked up my chair. You know, and put me down over here like, whoa, different company. What's going on? It's amazing. And then, you know, as time went on, budgets, investors, financial stuff going on, movie studios, this producer, that director wants in, this guy, that, that person. And all of a sudden, decisions need to be made and compromises need to occur. And there's a lot of decisions and compromises that we made that were good. And there were some decisions and compromises that we, including myself, made that were bad and that even went against what I would consider one of God's principles. And when you realize that, it's just devastating, especially when God entrusts people into your care as employees. And you just say to yourself, how could I let that happen? How could I make that decision and go against what God so clearly says. And there were times where we had the complete opposite, where we had complete victories, and people would say, this was the best work experience I've ever had. There's something different about you guys. The reality is, is that after a while, things begin to crumble. And here I, here I was, with all of my dreams, my soul wrapped into this thing. My identity was wrapped up into it. It's a company. I started a company with a bunch of guys. We're going to work on these cool movies. It's going to be amazing. I'm, going to, I'm, I'm in this for life. We're here. We're good. My wife and I were willing to sacrifice certain things to let this happen and come into fruition. And yet at the same time, the more we put into it, it seemed like the more it started to go down. And here I was saying, I don't get it, Lord. What do you, what do you mean? This, we're doing this for you. This is about creating movies that are, that's going to bring people closer to you or ask questions that might lead them to an understanding of what you've done through Jesus. How in the world would you not want that to flourish and thrive? And yet it's just wilting away. My dreams are being crushed. This was my lifelong, this is my purpose. You've raised me up in my skill set to be in this industry which I've loved since I was a child. I've always wanted to be in the movie industry. Always. Now I have a chance to do it and to do it for you. And yet, down and down and down it seemed to go. Crushed, devastated, morose, depressed, whatever you want to call it. I, I mean, whatever. However, if I went to a doctor, throw all those names in, that's where I was at. And after a lot of process and thinking, I decided that the Lord was asking me to leave the company. And I, I, uh, are you serious, Lord? You sure about that? And we got confirmation through God's word, through people that I'm accountable to, through my family, and I decided to leave. 48 hours after I left, the investors flew up and shut the company down. And we weren't able to get the movie greenlit by the studios, and so our financing during this financial crisis was not able to carry us on. What a crushing blow. And I decided to jump out without a job, with a mortgage, a baby on the way, a little toddler run around who has no concept of money or time or mortgage or insurance or, you know, bring on the litany of responsibilities. And here I was, my dreams were gone, company was dissolved, and I'm looking for work. 
and I, and I had to review and say, why? This is, I thought this was your will. You know, I remember Lee and I always kind of joke around about this time during this movie, Kingdom of Heaven, which is about the Crusades. And one of the interesting things that they do is whenever they want something, the people, they always kind of like take out their sword for effect and they, shing, they go, God wills it. You know, one guy will say it. And then, you know, the other guys are really, oh, uh, yeah, I want that too. Yeah, shing, and then all the swords come out. Everyone's like, God wills it, yeah, God wills it, let's go. And they wind up, you know, rumbling across the countryside, you know, pillaging and plundering. <laughs> Usually, God doesn't really want people to go across the countryside and do that. But they're like, God wills it, I think. Yes, swords, help, let's go. And they do it. You know, and the whole time during this process, I'm like shaking my sword at God going, you willed this. I swear you did. Come on, keep it alive. <laughs> Make it happen. Do something. <laughs> Trying to like poke into the spiritual realm didn't really work. So that was that. And, and in the context of Christmas, I realized that this was, my, this was my crossing, my journey. Because what I realized is that regardless of success or failure, or if I evaluate myself as only being currently unemployed, if my perspective is the singularity of my current circumstances, then I'm just gonna freeze up and I'm not gonna be able to do anything. But if I take the perspective, this is what I've learned through this painful process, take this perspective of, you know what, Tim? It didn't matter if the company went down or if it would have thrived because what I wanted to do was I wanted to teach you the things that you needed to learn. And it's a really freeing thing when you think about that what God wants to do with us is he wants us to bring us on these different journeys. And that's what life really is. Life isn't where I'm at right now. Life is all about, this is the, I'm in a particular journey that God's carrying me through. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. It might be a maelstrom and a tempest in the middle of it. But it's part of this journey. And so I refuse to identify myself as just only currently unemployed or that our company was a failure. It's about this journey that I went on that was painful, yes. But in the end, when I look at it and I put on God's eyes, I go, that crossing that I made from out of one company starting our own and trying to do this thing, that is where God exactly wanted me to be. Because the lessons that I was able to learn during that time, even though it was heart-wrenching and like surgery, it really worked a lot in my own life. And so to God, there isn't a concept of success or failure, in my opinion. It's about, Tim, I'm drawing you into this journey. And so that's what Mary and Joseph did. Their plans were completely changed. They had people chasing after them to kill them and their child. They had the scorn of their village. And to, to basically raise an illegitimate child who miraculously was going to show to be the son of God through manifested in some way that they didn't even know. And so they had to go on their own journey that was painful at times. But yet, if you only looked at it as people in exile to Egypt, is that really what defined Mary and Joseph? Well, we're, I, I'm in exile from my, from my village. That's who I am. No, it's your part of God's amazing plan to help usher in salvation to the world because we get this historical broad perspective. So one of the stories, one of the accounts that happened when Jesus was in the middle of his ministry that really 
really affected me, that helped me work through my own experience, is that if you take that word, God with us, Emmanuel, what Christmas is all about, I asked, okay, God, where were you in the middle of my tempest, my storm? And this is what he revealed to me. If you look at the account in Mark, this is an account of Jesus going across, asking the disciples to take him in a boat across the lake. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? I, um, that's definitely a PG um, statement right there, uh, translation. Um, then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and sea obey him? The reality of this story, the reason why I love it so much, is that I see when Jesus asked the disciples, Come on, let's go to the other side, is that not only did it represent a physical crossing, but it was a metaphor for all of us. The areas in our lives that we struggle with, that we're challenged with, the sin that we would love to get rid of, the relationship that we need to deal with or get out of or enter into, these are the things that Jesus is saying, come with me. I'm going to take you on a boat. Come with me and let's cross the other side because this beachhead that you're at right now is not where I want you to be. I want you to come with me over here. And we have a challenge to look at our own lives and say, what are the areas that I need to get in the boat? And there's going to be no guarantees that it's going to be calm seas. It's going to be the maelstrom, a tempest of craziness to where you say, where is God in this? And I just love that he was sleeping. You know, I don't think it would have, it would have touched me as much if he was, you know, standing at the front of the boat, you know, it's all right, men, we can do it. You know, instead he's sleeping, you know, below deck. And if I was a captain of the boat, I'd be like, get him up, get him up, let's go. You know, come on, you're water into wine guy. Wake up, come on. You know, don't you, can you feel it? You know, well, actually, in reality, I would have been on the back of the boat going, <laughs> I would have missed the complete spiritual contacts because where's Naylor? Back of the boat, forget about it. Let him just be back there, you know? But these guys obviously didn't get that seasick, so good for them. The point is, is that there's tempests in our lives. There's journeys and crossings that we're going to be asked to take by God or that we're right in the middle of today. And I feel that a lot of us, including myself, are in the middle of that tempest and that storm with what's going on in the world. And yet Jesus is in it. Is in it. And I feel like at times he's asleep. Where are you? Why are your eyes closed? But the reality there is that what he wants us to remember is that he's in it. He's in the boat. It might not feel like it, but he's there. And just his presence of being there is what's going to get us through. And when he said, why are you so fearful? I really think it was the Lord saying, guys, I know that, that you, you can't get away from life dealing cards that have big waves. I mean, if a big wave can take out Clooney and Wahlberg in the perfect storm, it can take out me for sure. Life is going to deal big waves, but I'm going to be in the boat. And even though it might feel to you like I'm sleeping, that's not the truth. So what I want to, in summary, kind of take with us during this Christmas season is I want to give out some gifts. So the only way I can do gifts is 
is some, is some stocking stuffers. So let's put up our, our spiritual stocking stuffers, all right? The first thing is that we need to remi be reminded to heed the call to go over to the other side, to identify areas in our lives where we know Jesus is saying, come with me into this boat. I'm going to take you across the other side. It's either going to be healing or it's going to be growth, and I'm not going to guarantee that it's going to be calm seas, but I will be in it. And the second thing is to recognize that God is in the midst of our, of our pain. And I had to review and go backwards and review that time of, of what happened with this, with this dream that I had and say, was God in that boat? If my dream is a boat, was he in it? And the answer is yes, he was. And I think it's a healthy thing to review what's happened this last year, especially our painful experiences, and to find out where God is. Because the reality is, last stocking stuffer, is that Jesus is in our boat. He's in your boat as you cross through these waters in these financial times. I'm telling you, you know, my wife and I, I'm always like an and then kind of person. Well, then if this happens, and then, and then, and then this, and then, and then, and I get all worked up, and I kind of get hives and everything. I'm like, Congress is going to call force majeure, and they're going to demonetize the dollar, and we're going to be all traded into Merrill's. Oh, my gosh. And my wife just like puts her hand on my head. Relax. Relax. Jesus is in the boat. Thanks, love. So remember, the Lord's in the boat. He's in your boat in this tempest. So what we're going to do now is we're going to have our time of giving. I'm going to pray to kind of close this out. I'd love to have the ushers come forward. Just be reminded that the Lord is with us during this time. Father, we thank you that uh, even though at times it feels like you might be sleeping on the job, the reality, Lord, is that you have gone on your own journey for us, your own Christmas crossing, Lord, to become Emmanuel, God with us, Lord, that led you to make the ultimate sacrifice and then to conquer the grave. Help us to be reminded of that, Lord, in March, in July, in August, not just during Christmas. Thank you. Amen. <laughs>